be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 this evening. And I'm going to begin re- reading in verse number 1 down through verse 9. And um, I want to take really a thought from verse 7, eight, seven and 8 and uh, just share some things uh, this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God uh, and Sosthenes, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just say this on my way to where I'm going. It is the will of God that we be at peace. You know, sometimes when there's an emergency or there's poor planning, uh, some people want us to get all worked up about it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, For example, you know, if I'm ever late somewhere due to maybe the female in our home. Now, that's very rare. Usually if we're late, it's my fault. I'm taking ownership. But let me just share that, Brandy, if you're watching, I love you with all my heart. But I've got to just share this for a moment. If we're ever late... Uh, Brandy doesn't get worked up about it. If I have somewhere to be, Brother Kemp, she does not really get worked up that we're running behind. I mean, she's riding down the road saying, wow, look at the snow. I'm fuming in my driver's seat. You know, and she's like, wow, did, did you know this? And... You know, I read this song. You know, she, she's just at peace and she's just enjoying the ride and she's enjoying life. And I, got to be honest, I'm not satisfied with that. I mean, I want her to be as tore up about us being late as I am. You know, God wants us to be at peace and not tore up just because somebody else wants us tore up. Let me just say this. You can be at peace in a situation and still care about the situation. Being at peace doesn't mean you don't care. Sometimes people don't think we care unless we're all in a tizzy with them. Listen, God wants us to be at peace. No matter what's happening around us and being at peace, don't mistake that as someone doesn't care. Um, so I'm telling on myself, I don't like Brandy being at peace when I'm late somewhere. And so I usually make some real dumb comments that gets her fired up. And then she's like, now, is this what you wanted? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Lord, no, I shouldn't have said it. Listen to what the Bible uh, says here. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by 
him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. And here's where my heart is. So that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that where we are tonight? How many of you are waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what we as the church in 2022 are waiting for. I want you to know that there is not one prophecy that has to be fulfilled before Jesus Christ raptures the church out of this world. There's nothing left undone for the church to be raptured out of this world. Let me just give you a little nugget for thought here. There's a lot of things that have to happen before the second coming of Jesus Christ. One of them is the rapture of the church. A second is the rebuilding of the temple. So the second coming can't happen right now. But the rapture of the church, the catching away of the bride can happen any moment. So we as the church right now, we are in the waiting moment for Jesus Christ. We are a bride that's getting dressed. Uh, we're a bride that's getting prepared. And we're preparing for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to take us out of here. So he's speaking to the church who's waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look in verse 8. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You say, I don't think I can endure to the end, Pastor. You may be thinking, I am not sure how much longer I can keep myself blameless. Hurry up and come, Jesus. I'm not sure that I'm going to make it. I'm so glad that my endurance does not depend upon me. And I'm so thankful that my blamelessness does not depend upon me. Look what he says here. Here's the answer in verse 9. God is faithful. Listen, God is going to confirm you. God is going to keep us. God is going to present us blameless. You don't have to be worried that you're not going to make it. You don't have to be worried that you're not going to be blameless when Jesus calls us out of here. Why? Because God is faithful. Aren't you glad tonight that God is faithful? I'm so glad that it didn't say Dwight is faithful. I'm glad it didn't say John is faithful. I'm glad it didn't say, hey, you're going to end Endure and you're going to be blameless because you are faithful. No, God is faithful. We need to stop counting and depending on ourselves and start depending on the faithfulness of God. There's only one reason I'm going to heaven because God is faithful. Jesus died for me. He rose again for me and He said He's coming back for me. There's only one reason I'm not going to hell tonight. God is faithful. 
There's only one reason I'm going to make it to the end. It's because God is faithful. I pray that you are caught up in the faithfulness of God. Stop looking in the mirror. Stop looking inward and start looking upward. God is faithful. Listen, if you keep looking inward, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to be down and out. You're going to be sad and you're going to live in the mully grubs. Why? Because none of us are able to do what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He is our uh, only, only reliable one. God is faithful by whom ye were called under the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that beautiful? What a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. But what I'm interested in tonight is this, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that word waiting, uh, it doesn't mean lazy. It doesn't mean inactive. Uh, It doesn't mean uh, coasting. Uh, It's not a picture of riding an inner tube around the lazy river at Myrtle Beach drinking lemonade. That's not what it speaks of. It doesn't speak of inactive. It really speaks of a being a, a working and serving until he comes. Whenever you go to the restaurant, you know, you know it's strange. Uh, uh, some of y'all know this more than I do, but as you start getting older in life, you start using words that you never thought you'd use. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like the other day I said, hey boy, get your lunch pail. I mean, who says lunch pail? I mean, I, I, you know, I was like, where did that come from? Lunch pail? My, that's what like my grandpa would say maybe. Get your lunch pail? I mean, it just came out. And so the other day I was, uh, one of the, every time we get in the car, it, listen, mark it down. Every, it doesn't matter if we ate a five-course meal. Every time we get in the car, I'm hungry. Where are we going to eat? And so I just had enough of that the other day. And I said, ah, boys, I tell you what, every time you get in the car, you want to go to a restaurant. A restaurant? What is a restaurant? They was like, what's a restaurant? A restaurant. Hey, you just say the strangest things. But the next time you go to a restaurant, there's going to be someone there called what? A waiter. And that waiter is not inactive. That waiter is actually serving. To be a good waiter is to be a good server. To be a good waitress is to be a good server. And to wait on the Lord, to be a waiter is to be a server. And we as God's children, we're not waiting inactively, but it speaks of being a waiter to serve tables. It speaks of serving the needs until Jesus comes. Brother and sister, we as saved people are to be serving Jesus until, until He comes. And so I want to give you a few things. And I want to, I want to incur, I need, I need to clarify this. Um, we are not accepted by God because of our service. I need you to hear this. Uh, we have this mentality that 
if I don't do enough, if I don't serve enough, if I don't give enough, if I don't go enough, if I don't pray enough. And we have this mentality that if we don't do enough, then we are not enough. And I want to separate those two for a moment. You are enough because of what Jesus has done for you. And you are accepted by God 100% because of what Jesus has done for you. And listen, your service does not gain you any favor because you have all the favor of God anybody could ever have. Listen, serving God doesn't get you the anointing of God because you have all of the anointing of God anyone could ever have. Serving God doesn't earn you the love of God because because you already have all of the love of God anyone could ever have. Serving God doesn't get you the pleasure of God because God is pleased with Jesus and therefore He's pleased with you. Listen, serving God doesn't get you a bigger mansion in heaven because Jesus has already prepared a place for you and I in heaven. Serving God doesn't get the door to hell closed because Jesus closed the door to hell when He rose from the grave. Serving God doesn't gain us any merit with God because we already are the children of God. I just want to make that clear. Because I don't want you leaving here after this message feeling guilty. I want to encourage you to be waiting upon the Lord until He comes. Let me give you three things that we as waiters or we as waiting upon the Lord um, can be doing. I want you to see, first of all, number one, we can be faithful in service. We need to be faithful in service. Uh, The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. Now remember this, we serve and we want to be faithful in our service um, because we are already saved, not to get us saved. Amen? Now, that's what Jesus says. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? We want to be faithful and wise stewards of the grace of God. Amen? We're stewards. God saved us. We know we're saved. We have the gospel. And we're to be good, faithful stewards of what God has done. Uh, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Verse 43, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. And so the Bible speaks when the master returns, he says that the servant should be faithfully serving those in the house. You know, God has saved each of us and that already makes us victorious. That already makes us in the family. That already makes us secure in God's house, in God's hand, and bless God in His heart. We are secure in God now from that place of acceptance, that place of security, that place of victory, that place of forgiveness. Now we're able to serve faithfully what God has called us to do. You know, there is no service too small for saved people and there's no service too big for saved 
people. One of the greatest examples of service is when Jesus gathered with His disciples there at the Passover, what He changed into the Lord's Supper. And you know the story that Jesus, He took the towel and He girded Himself and He took a bowl of water and a towel and He began to wash the disciples' feet. And we see here that Jesus served His disciples. You know, if someone would have walked into that room when Jesus was washing His disciples' feet, I want you to realize that they would have thought that Jesus was the least in the room. They would have thought that Jesus was the slave of the house because he took the lowest spot of serving. You know, I love what Jesus said. He said this. He said, look, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. If you go back and read that story, he says, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. Look, when you know where you came from and where you're going... You don't worry about what your service looks like. You just care about what God sees. Amen? And we just serve faithfully. Listen, if you teach a Sunday school class, keep serving faithfully. Hey, listen, if you are soul winning and handing out tracts, keep serving faithfully faithfully. If you have a ministry of prayer, if you pray for the church, if you pray for the leadership, keep serving faithfully. If God's called you to a ministry of helps and you bake cookies for people in need or take meals to people in need or write cards to people in need or write cards for special occasions, keep serving faithfully. Keep doing what God has put in front of you to do. I've never seen the hour like I see now. God's servants are so tired. They're so weary. They're so exhausted and they want to stop doing what they're doing because they don't think it matters. I've come tonight to tell you it matters. What you're doing for God matters. It doesn't matter how small it may seem. It doesn't matter how unnoticed it may seem. It doesn't matter how slow it may be going. It matters. Matters. Your faithful service to God matters. Listen, just stay faithful, church. Jesus is coming, and as you wait on Him, keep serving God. Keep doing what you're doing for God. Everything that you do matters for the Lord. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, look, no, see, look, you've been doing it for years and nobody cares. Nobody recognizes you. Nobody knows what you're doing. Listen, God has called us to serve Faithfully. Serve faithfully. Decorating the church matters. Cleaning the church matters. Uh, Helping people that aren't here matters. Calling and checking on people that don't show up matters. It all matters. It's serving God. Hey, listen, making making them peanut butter bars and them cheesecake, it matters, amen? And uh, look, bringing a dessert to a church dinner, it matters. I mean, it's a blessing, amen? Uh, uh, Cleaning up, wiping tables, it all matters. So look, stay faithful serving the Lord church. Stay faithful until He comes. Stay faithful. You know, one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to quit before He comes. That's something He's called me to do. Why? Because I love Him and I just want to honor Him and I want to do good for the Lord. 
Not so he'll do good for me and not so he'll favor me and not so I can know I'm going to heaven. I just want to do good for God because he, he, he forgave my sinful life. He has washed my dark heart. He has forgiven me of my iniquity. He has been good to me and kind to me and faithful to me and I want to be good to him. Look, sometimes the devil will come alongside of me and say, Brother John, you're going to preach again this week? My goodness, you preach three times every week. They don't listen. They don't care. It don't matter. You've been doing... Hey, did you know I've been preaching this, this year 20 years? And look, the devil tells me you've wasted the last 20 years of your life. What difference have you made? What difference are you making? You're just getting up. You're full of hot air. You're just preaching the words off the pages of a Bible. It's not making a difference. And sometimes my flesh says, you know what? Maybe it's not making a difference. But look, every time I read the Bible, he says preach the Word. And if he says preach the Word, I'll keep preaching the Word until you stop showing up or until you show me the door or until Jesus takes me to heaven. Amen? And so look, what you do matters. It may not be preaching. It may not be singing. It may not be teaching. But listen, what you do matters. Our service matters. So Lord, just be faithful in your service, whatever that is. Just stay after it. Keep doing it. Keep working. Keep laboring. And look, don't do it from a position where you're trying to be accepted by God. If you're doing that, you're going to feel empty and it's not going to satisfy you. It's not. You won't be satisfied serving if you're doing it to get something from God. He's already giving, given us everything. He can't give us any more. And now we're able to serve Him in faithful service. I want you to see, secondly, while we wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can be pure in living. We can be pure in our lives. Um, notice, I very carefully didn't say perfect. I don't want you to mistake purity with perfection. If perfection was purity, then none of us have hope. We're going to look at purity. Let me, let me share with you uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Speaking about the coming of the Lord, uh, to be pure in our living, to be sincere in our living. 1 John 3 Verse 2, Beloved, now, thank God, we don't become the sons of God when we die. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Hey, we don't become, and ladies, daughters, amen, daughters too. We don't become the sons of God when we finally get to heaven. Listen, right now in West Virginia, 2022, the year of the China virus, we are the sons and daughters of God right now. Right now in your depression, right now in your misery, right now in your financial poverty, right now in your broken marriage, right now you are the sons and daughters of God. And no trial can change that. No failure can change that. No disappointment can change that. You're forever the children of God. And if that's not enough to get us shouting tonight, my goodness, it's enough, amen? 
Listen, we, and it says, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Hey, look, there's a day coming. I don't know what God's going to do necessarily with all of us in the future. It's yet to be told. Amen? Uh, it reminds me of uh, that story where uh, Brother Dwight mentioned this other day that uh, that man had guests over to eat dinner and they were eating dinner, and he was a wealthy man. He invited some children to his home, and they were eating dinner together. And uh, this waiter came by, and he took the salad plates, and then they brought another meal, and uh, the waiter came by and took the main course out of the way, and the waiter came by and brought soup and all these things. And, and uh, one little girl, she, the, last, the last course there, she had left her fork on the plate. And the man leaned over and said, Honey... You need to hold on to your fork. And she said, why? He said, the best is yet to come. Dessert was on its way. Brother and sister, listen, the best is yet to come. Right now we are the children of God, but the best is yet to come. You may be uh, traveling a patch right now of suffering and difficulty. Hey, Lazarus was laid at the rich man's gate and the dogs licked his wounds. And the rich man passed him every day and did nothing to care for his physical needs. And when they both died, uh, the poor man was carried to the bush of Abraham and the rich man died and woke up in hell and here's what Father Abraham said he said to the rich man in your life you had your good things and Lazarus in his life he had his hard things but now in the afterlife he's comforted and you're in suffering brother and sister listen if you're suffering now you have no idea what's going to be one day the best is yet to come he says, now we are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear. And listen, He will appear. That is what we're waiting on. That's what we're talking about. We shall be like Him. Listen very carefully. We're not yet like Him. We're not yet like Him. We're not yet like Him. Listen, stop beating yourself up. Stop racking your brain. You're not like Jesus yet. He's still working on you. He is still shaping you and fashioning you. But listen, and when Jesus appears, we shall be like Him. You say, when is it going to be finished? When will I be conformed fully to the image of Jesus Christ? When Jesus shall appear. Until then, stay the course. Until them, keep serving God. Until them, keep living pure. He says, for we shall see Him as He is. Look in verse number 3. And every man that hath this hope. Y'all have this hope? In Him, watch this, purifieth Himself, even as He is pure. You know, the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a man cleanse his ways? By what? Taking heed thereto unto thy word. Brother and sister, do you know how we purify ourselves? We confess our sins to the Lord according to His word. You know, brother and sister... My children, whether you know it or not, they make mistakes at the house. They make all kinds of mistakes. Some mistakes are accidental. 
just because they're young. Some mistakes are flat out on purpose because they just want to do wrong. Some mistakes are because they don't have the right information in their life. But I want you to know this. My children, when they say, hey, why well, did wrong there? I want you to know they're pure. We're moving on in life. We got things to do, things to see, places to go, life to live. Brother and sister, I want you to know this. Those that are waiting for the coming of Jesus, we confess our shortcomings and we confess our sins to the Lord. And He purifies our heart and He cleanses our heart. You say, well, how long do we confess until He appears? I want to encourage you, keep confessing your sins to the Lord. You know, sometimes we grow weary with doing that, don't we? Sometimes this is our mindset. Well, I've confessed this 777 times. I mean, surely God doesn't want to hear about it again. You know, I keep making mistake after mistake. Man, God's probably getting tired of me coming and telling Him that I messed up again. Man, surely the Lord don't want me to come again today and confess to Him. Listen very carefully. The Lord loves when His children confess their sins. Hey, can I give you a little bit of insight? The Bible says this. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Am I right about it? Over one sinner that what? Repents. Listen, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. Now let me ask you this. If there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels, who do you think's doing the rejoicing? God is. Now listen. We could say it this way. Follow me now. God rejoices in the presence of the angels every time. This is Georgia language. This is KJV, King John Version. Every time that a sinner repents, God rejoices in the presence of the angels. Now listen, listen, listen. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. What is the joy of the Lord? To purify repenters. In other words, the forgiveness of God is our strength. Brother and sister, confessing sin daily 
and receiving His forgiveness does not make us weak. It is our strength. The only way to stay the course, the only way to wait upon the Lord is to live a life of confession, a life of honesty, a life of purity before the Lord. We're not going to be perfect because we won't be like Him until we see Him, but we can come to Him, our high priest, that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities because He's tempted on all points as we have been tempted, yet He is without sin. We can come to Him and He can feel our hurt, He can feel our brokenness, and He purifies us by His blood when we confess. So brother and sister, while we're waiting on the Lord, let us be faithful in service. Let us be pure in our lives. Let us confess to God what we're struggling with. And let me finish with this. Number three, I want you to see this. We can be active in sharing. We can actively be sharing the gospel, actively sharing our faith. You say, what is the priority of the church to share Jesus with someone, to share Jesus with a lost soul, to share the gospel with a neighbor, to share Jesus with a young child, to share Jesus with the elderly, to share Jesus everywhere we go. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere that Jesus Christ is Born, What He whispers in your ear, shout that, proclaim that from the rooftops. In other words, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share it everywhere that we go. Uh, in Acts chapter number 1, verse 6, 7, and 8. Let's look at this. Um, in all three references we've made tonight, it deals with the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, right? Uh, look what he says here. And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He says in verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Verse 8, here's what he said. Here's what I want you to do while you're waiting on me to return. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Now what is a witness? Very simply, a witness tells what they've seen and what they've heard. Very simply, that's all a witness does. A witness doesn't need to add to what they saw and heard, and they don't need to take away from what they saw and heard. A witness unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. We see here Jesus tells His disciples, hey, while you're waiting for me, I want you to be active in sharing. I want you to tell others about Jesus Christ. You know, that's the most important thing that we can do. It's the most important thing that we do. Someone may argue and say, well, I believe the most important thing we can do is pray. I believe that prayer is... Very, very important. But I want, you to, I, want, I want you to understand this. As believers, we don't, you know, we don't neglect one to do the other. But I want you to listen. It's a lot easier to stand before God and talk to Him about the needs of men. 
than it is to stand before men and talk to them about their need for God. Prayer is important, but many times I'm discovering we neglect sharing because we're praying. Well, I'm praying they get saved. Well, that's good. But how can, how can they be saved if they don't have a witness? Well, I'm praying that she gets saved. Well, I'm praying. That's good, but listen, that's not going to get them saved. We have to have a witness share with us the gospel. So look, we don't share the gospel to put a notch in our belt and say, you know, whew, uh, you know, there's a group that goes out and visits every Saturday, you know, in the cult out there. Visit every, you probably get them knocking on your door. You know what I'm saying? They come and visit every Saturday. You know why they visit every Saturday? Because if they don't, they may not go to their, to their heaven. They're out. I'm talking about the Jehovah Witnesses. I, I mean, I didn't want to be real pointed, but I'm, I'm just, but y'all are like, our church has somebody that goes out every Saturday. And so I asked one of them, I said, hey, man, you, he's been doing it for years. I said, hey, why do you do this? He says, well, it's part of the requirement. I said, oh. He said, it's not a requirement for you as a born-again Christian to share the gospel. I said, oh, Lord, no. There's no requirement for me to be saved. I share because I love God. And I share because I love my fellow man. It's not a requirement. Did you know you can go to heaven and never share the gospel with one soul? Did you know that? It's not a requirement. But out of our love for God and our love for our fellow man, we feel compelled to obey that command. We feel compelled to obey, but not out of a sense of duty so that God will receive me, but we do it as an act of love for the one who loved us. And so therefore we share out of love, not out of guilt. We don't share out of guilt. Uh, I'm reading a book right now, and I'll finish with this, that Corey gave me an awesome book. I'm in just chapter one of it. And, um, and this man's story is that he, he went out soul winning. He preached in subways. He preached in taxi cabs. He preached all the time for years. And at the end of it, he was so empty, so tired, so dissatisfied. And he came to the conclusion that he was doing all that soul winning so God would accept him. Listen, brother and sister, God's not asking you to share the gospel so he can accept you. He's asking us to share the gospel because he has accepted us and so others can accept him. So while we wait for the Lord, let's be faithful to serve. Let's be pure in our lives. And let's be active in sharing our faith.